Welcome to Barely Adulting, where two almost adults talk about life in their 20s and what being a grown-up really means. I'm Annie. And I'm Cheyenne. Today, we're going to dive into another episode in our series. We'll be talking about all things related to relationships and sex. First, let's get a life update. Cheyenne? Nice. Um, I just went camping. Uh, I went to Maine. We were in Bar Harbor in um, Acadia and it was super beautiful I thought it was gonna be freezing but it actually wasn't that bad Um, we went on a hike called the beehive hike it was hiking scary it was like you had to climb ladders and stuff or like they were like rungs put into the rocks and it was like scary kind of those are so scary when you have to do anything other than walking it's hard yeah yeah you're like um, I also started dog sitting on a rover. If you're listening and you have a dog and you live in Boston, hit me up. Um, leave me a five star rating. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's been super fun. I've had dogs like stay just for the day. I've also had dogs stay. I had one dog stay overnight. Um, I'm in love with her now. Her name is Bambi. Um, and my happiness has increased a lot. And now I'm in Vermont. I'm also dog and house sitting and visiting my family here amazing what about you y'all the moment has come I'm a licensed (gasps) driver who is she I'm a California driver let's go the test was so scary honestly I got the worst um driving examiner she was like actually the worst like she actually had Yelp reviews of people like hating against her and I had the feeling that it was her when I saw her, but I just kept telling myself, like, don't think that, just act like she's really nice and stuff. But yeah, she's kind of savage. I feel like oh, I just man. made it. Like, I just yeah. passed according to her standards. Um, but I'm glad that's over with. I can't wait to get a um, licensed card so that mm-hmm. when I go out, I don't need to bring my passport everywhere yeah, or, drink exactly. or like anything. Like, I actually have an ID mm-hmm. to go with me mm-hmm. now, which is so nice. Yeah. Um, I'm still interviewing for a job. It's rough out here. It's like mm-hmm. October now. Um, I mean, there is progress. I think that there just isn't an offer, which like, yeah. that's yeah. the problem. Like I'm getting referrals, connections, like mm-hmm. nothing seems to work. Like it only gets you so far. And yeah. I don't think I'm the problem. I think the problem no. is that like I need to be sponsored. And so mm-hmm. a lot of companies just kind of, they're like, sorry, like we found someone else. But honestly, I feel like it's because like they have to put in more effort to keep me. Yeah. 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 It's a lot harder. It's definitely not about you for sure. I think it's just circumstantially, like it's really expensive to sponsor for a company. Yeah. And so it's just so much harder to find that opportunity. I know. I feel like it's so close. Like it's coming. I believe I can do it and I can get a company to want me, but it's so difficult being patient because Mm -hmm. I just want to get started on my life. And I feel like I'm just living in like a temporary place and like nothing is set in stone. My life is just weird. Even back in Boston, like I had more of a routine and like independent lifestyle, but here I just feel like I don't have anything like kind of like I have family which is nice 
um, one thing I've been missing out on for a long time. So it's nice being taken care of and like having meals cooked for you, but I miss the independence of like, I could just go anywhere I want without having to tell anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. So yeah, hopefully there'll be a happy update about that soon. Manifesting Current, it for you. Yes. Thank you. Current obsessions, Cheyenne. Um, well, in lieu of me starting my new Rover business, I'm super into dog products. So like I went all out with dog supplies. I've been super into looking at like better products or like what to have in my supply to make it more appealing for my customers to book with me. Um, I got like, yeah, I got like a playpen and everything so that if I ever have to go out for like a meeting or like pick up some food or something, like I don't feel nervous, like just leaving the dog in my room or like in a living room where it could just like destroy everything or like fall down somewhere. Um, and then, yeah, I just have like a bunch of dog supplies and I love it. So yeah. How about you? Do you make, do you make good money with that app? It's not bad, honestly. Like I had, you know, three jobs last week and I made like 85 something dollars. How, and, how many hours? Um, so one of the dogs stayed from like, it was an interesting hour because it was during the Fenway game. So it was from like 3 p.m. to like 11.30-ish p.m. But I sleep late anyway, so it's fine. So it's basically yeah. a full work day. Yeah. Um, another dog was only a few hours from like 8 a.m. till 3 p.m. And then another one stayed overnight for one day. Mm. But honestly, get- for me, it's like for fun. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was going to say like, do you get paid more once you get more reviews and stuff like that? Or is it not? So like you can that? set your own rates. So I set oh, okay. mine pretty low just because I'm starting out. But um, once I get more reviews and I have more of a reputation, yeah. I'll definitely increase my price to like what I see other people doing. But basically, mine is like the cheapest rate right now. But it's oh. also like low key, I'm thinking more like a business person now because it's like, okay, if I want to get more customers, put it lower, right? And then at the end of the day, I still make more money because I'm getting more bookings. Or do I want to set it higher and get like less bookings, but I still get the same amount of money? You know what I mean? Like you have to start thinking like an actual business and also it's like self-marketing, self-promoting. So like I bought a hoodie that says Rover so I can wear it in public and like show people that I'm a Rover. And I also have like these business cards where you can check off like which services you offer and you get a promo code. So it's all about like marketing. It's basically like also a dating app. You've set up photos and stuff you write out descriptions of like your service and you know how you'll take care of all the dogs and stuff mm-hmm. um and the reason I got all these dog supplies is because I want to take photos of it and be like look I have all yeah. these things that I'm going to provide for your dog like if you choose me like they're in good hands you know mm-hmm. so it's all just like marketing and you know self-promotion no it's like an uber eats driver like when mm-hmm. you have a bunch of stuff yeah. people like you more mm-hmm. yep exactly very cool all right, so let's first dive Wait, into- Wait, what about your-, your Oh obsession? yeah, my obsession. Totally you forgot. <laughs> um, yeah, because my obsessions are boring. <laughs> no, they're- Current fun. obsession, I actually am switching more to matcha now mm-hmm. other than chai, so who yes. am I? Um, yes. I've been looking into like what makes a matcha like really good mm-hmm. and 
I read that there's like two types of matcha. One is like culinary grade, which is one that you used to cook with. And the other is ceremonial grade, which is like used to actually drink. And so a lot of matchas, people might not like matcha because it tastes grassy or Mm -hmm. it has that culinary grade taste. So I did a ton of research and I found this brand on Amazon of ceremonial grade matcha called Akira. And I made my cousin obsessed with it too. Oh my gosh. Um, it's like, she couldn't go back to her old matcha because like when, once you taste like goodness, it's like, you can't go back. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of expensive. We've been trying to tally how many drinks we can make out of one um, container. Cause one container is like really small. Mm-hmm. It's around $25 for that small container. And it makes around, I would say 15 to 20 drinks. That's not bad. Yeah. So honestly, that's still cheaper than buying it from Starbucks. You know? But then you also have to count in the milk that we like buy because we still, use oat like, milk. A milk is like what, like a few dollars. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, of Starbucks is already four fifty or something five. Starbucks is so expensive for like no yeah. reason. So yeah, yeah. So I, I crave. Say, like, yeah, go ahead. No, I said I crave like my own matcha. Like I never mm-hmm. crave Starbucks. Nah, that's so good. That's better. Cause like, I was going to say like, I make my own matcha, but I think I just bought like a bad brand because I got a matcha from pavement and I was like, oh my gosh, like I want the pavement matcha. And it's like pavement of all places. Like they're not even Japanese. Like it's just like a random cafe, but it was so like, I think it's the matcha they use and the soy milk they use is so creamy and like, I just can't duplicate it. So I need to buy a new matcha. You need to figure out the milk that they use. It's so important, the milk. Mm-hmm. Like I use yeah. a very specific oat milk brand and it makes it very creamy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's from Califia yeah. Farms. Okay. I'll show you yeah. like my recipe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And then my other one's trying new hairstyles. I feel like TikTok has gotten me into, back into the 2010 days where mm-hmm. people do braids and cute things yeah. like that. There's like heatless ways to make your hair pretty. Um, I want to curl it less and keep it more natural. So that's been fun. Spice up your outfits. Yep. Yeah. Cute. All right. Are you ready to dive in? Yes, we are ready. I feel like I say that every episode. I need to come up with a new catchphrase. Are we ready to roll? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um. Okay, so obviously this um, episode of our Brutally Honest series, um, we'll be talking about relationships and sexual health, um, but just to ease in, like, let's start out with some relationships. So what is some, you know, ways that you in your life have reached common ground and, you know, learning about like the awkward phases of the relationship? I think, you know, a lot of times we talk about things like, oh my gosh, it's so romantic. Like, I love everything. You know, we're going on this cute date. But what about like the times when you're like, oh, I don't really know what this is. Like, I don't really know where it's going. Like, what have you experienced with that kind of stuff? Hmm. I mean, growing up, I watched a lot of TV shows that tease this concept a lot. Like how I met your Mm -hmm. mother, like Mm -hmm. right timing, right person. Um, And it's pretty accurate. I feel like How I Met Your Mother is pretty accurate. It's like, oh, you have the right person in your life, but it's just the wrong timing. Mm -hmm. And um, other TV shows where like 
there's that talking stage where it lasts forever. Like I've seen on TikTok, some people are like, we've been in the talking stage for eight years and we've never kissed. I'm like, how? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I've seen so many TikToks like that. Um, but I have two relationships now under my belt, still on my second one. And I don't know, I feel like I'm not very good like to talk about this with because this relationship I'm in now is like only my first healthy one. Mm. So it's taken a while to learn how to reach like common ground in a relationship and understand like different stages of a relationship, especially being in mm-hmm. a second one. I'm like yeah. much more aware of like um, what's going on and what's happening. Um, I think I've definitely reached like a maturity stage to my relationship where we yeah. do talk a lot about issues like this. Um which I'm going to mention some of the big issues that relationships tend to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there are still fun moments, um, but it's not like the beginning. Yeah. 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 What about you? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think something that's like important to acknowledge is like, for me, at least, I think something that was different in this relationship that I'm in now was like, everything felt so natural. And like, I didn't feel pressure to have that definition you know what I mean like I think that's for me how it feels right because I shouldn't need to be like rushed into oh you know like oh we're dating now or like oh like we're just friends like whatever like you know the pressure of adding labels I think for me the way I tell if it's right is if it just feels natural and it feels comfortable um but of course that doesn't mean like if you're finding it awkward or like uncomfortable that it's wrong Um, I think just like understanding for yourself, like what you're comfortable with and how you communicate as well is really important. I think a lot of people like you might communicate better over text or you might want to like be face to face, like that's up for up to you to define. And um, you have to understand what you want out of the relationship before you can like reach a common ground about it. You know, like if your intentions are to just like have fun and like date around, like that's totally fine as long as the other person knows that too and you're open and honest about it. Um, yeah. And sometimes like, I don't think there's ever a comfortable way to talk about that. So I think it's just something that has to happen. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, me and Chen started reading this book that was recommended by my therapist called Eight Dates. Um, And it's a very good book. It basically forces you as a couple to go on like eight specific dates that discuss um, really big topics about your relationship. And those topics are commonly known as like issues in relationships Mm -hmm. or places where there's differences. And I really like the book because it gives you space to talk about those topics um, mm-hmm. in like a non-argumentative way because a lot of the times those topics can come up when you're arguing or when you're clashing right. you don't just talk right. about it like randomly um, yeah. like out of nowhere because they're so serious yeah so, like some of the topics are like trust and commitment um, what does that look like with your how you like grew up with you personally Um, with addressing conflict, everyone addresses it in a different way, with Mm -hmm. sex and intimacy, work and money, family, your idea of fun and adventure, growth and spirituality, and lastly, dreams, like with your career, with your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a very cool book. Um, It's been good so far. I very much recommend that. 
Um, but what are some of the problems that, you know, we've seen come up in our relationships or just like in life in general, yeah. like friendships too? Yeah, I think for me, a lot of it comes from like communication issues. I think part of it is like me thinking I'm being honest, but I'm not, or like me thinking I'm being 100% truthful, but I'm not. So then that causes the other person to think that everything is okay. But that being said, it's also like a two-way street, right? I think in my past relationship, a lot of the stuff that we disagreed on was like just stuff that we fundamentally didn't agree or see the same way. Um, And because we didn't communicate about it early on, we didn't know that that was going to be an issue issue later on, you know? So Mm -hmm. like, or just thinking like, oh, it's a small thing. I don't really have to think about it. And then I realized later that I actually do care about it. And that was like another one of my points is the difference between being tolerant versus actually knowing what you want. Um, Cause I would say like, I'm a pretty tolerant person, but there also is a difference between me like putting up with something versus like actually being okay with it and being able to live with it. I think in relationships, a big part of, that like common ground is understanding that, you know, obviously you're not going to be able to change a person and you shouldn't want to change a person. If you're in with the right person, you know, of course there's such thing as compromise, but they shouldn't need to change who they are in order to be with you. Right. And I think that's where the fine, very fine gray line is of what is called tolerating versus what is like oh, you know, I actually won't be able to get over this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that takes time too. Sometimes mm-hmm. you don't know until exactly. you've been yeah. tolerating it for so long. You're like, actually, this isn't what I want. Um, so that's all a process. One thing I've really seen um, myself grow in and need to grow in is learning how to argue healthily. Because I came from such a toxic relationship, the arguing style was always about being right and always getting like the point for winning the argument or um, having the other person like forfeit to agree with you. And I think a lot of arguments can be like that when you when they get carried out of hand and you don't actually know what you're talking about. I think a lot of arguments, it's never actually about what it is about. Like mm-hmm. it's always something more. Yeah. And I watched this video about someone saying that and it really made me think, and it's so true because like, mm-hmm arguments stem from like different things you know it's to like to get yourself to an argument you actually have to be like very like pissed off and like have something to say like if it was actually a surface level thing like maybe you'd be annoyed for like a little bit and then kind of get over it but for it to be an argument it means that there is some sort of want and need that's not being met um from like you or from the other person Mm -hmm. and it's important to create a space of like healthily discussing that without one person having to win and like one person arguing and yelling that's just not healthy so that's been a problem I've seen like from my past and how I've been able to grow from it yeah Yeah. no that totally makes sense all right we don't want to dive too much into relationships because there's a lot to discuss with sexual health but we do have another episode um episode number six if you want to hear more about our relationships, um, we also have our special guests, Yu Chen and Kenny. Yes. <laughs> um, so 
So give that a listen if you're curious to hear more about what we have to say about relationships. Mm -hmm. But transitioning into sexual health. Yes. Our first topic is what did we not learn in sex ed? Yeah, so there's many things I didn't learn in sex ed. Me and Cheyenne had this conversation where we're planning for this episode that like my school avoided like sex ed for years. I don't know why, just because teachers didn't want to teach it because it's like, quote, embarrassing. Um, But it's not embarrassing. I think it's so necessary. Oh, yeah. One of the big things that I've seen come up is like the importance of consent. Um, That's been like carrying with me throughout all the years uh, that I've lived. Um, I've noticed how much like lack of education there is on consent and I've seen the effects of it firsthand in my Mm -hmm. life and in other people. And a lot last year too, when people were starting to talk openly about their um, essay and like about consent in colleges, just in their life. And it just shows me how much I didn't learn. Like I was still learning up until that point when people were talking Mm -hmm. about things. I'm like, what kind of misconceptions did I have Mm -hmm. about what consent means? And it was shocking to me, but also like an educational like experience. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think for me, like a lot of things that I started learning and caring about in college was things about like LGBTQ plus relations, gender identity, sexuality, et cetera. Like, of course I never had any like homophobic ideas or like non-supportive of the community but I think it was like so much so that I wish that things were more open when I was growing up so that it allowed me to like explore more of my own sexuality I think that growing up with the idea that straight is the standard can stifle a lot of individuals and I think that the world would be a much better place if we all just were in the rainbow (laughs) like for real, like I think, and also learning that like sexuality is a spectrum. There's no such thing as like gay or straight as like a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's not that simple. It's not black and white. Yeah. Also, the just the idea that gender and sexuality is different things. Didn't know that. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. I yeah. I think things are just so focused on like penetrative sex that it you just get so stifled in your learning and you don't like stunted in your learning that you don't explore these other things um along the same lines of like female masturbation like you know everyone jokes around there's like dick jokes and all that stuff and everyone talks about the male genitalia very comfortably yep but everyone shrivels up once you bring up a vagina and it's like okay why like (laughs) we bring life into this earth um why can't we celebrate that like why can't it be just generally known that like females can masturbate and have self-pleasure as well if anything like women should be even more encouraged to because we don't need men (laughs) you know like goodbye but like because we grew up with that stigma and like it's laughed at or like frowned upon it's like you don't really get to explore that side of you and I think that's just like I mean at least for me I feel like sad about that (laughs) to be honest you know yeah I think it comes up to like someone's choice but it's just the fact that like it's not talked about is the issue exactly yeah like that 
it's like so secretive, so mm-hmm. quiet. That's the big issue with a lot of these topics. Mm-hmm. And like circling back to like the LGBTQ, like learning about that after watching the pros TV show, mm-hmm. like I've never been so shook in my life. Yeah. Like learning about like the HIV AIDS epidemic, like it's so important to learn. Oh, and yeah. I can't believe that this isn't in the education system that Mm -hmm. people don't learn about the history about these things and what groups are really heavily affected by these things. And those are like the future generation too. Like, yeah, there's going to be LGBTQ like everywhere, like around us, Mm -hmm. there has been for years. And so, yeah, like not educating is really a huge flaw because it could result in like repeating history, like again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And just to touch on a few more like I guess logistic stuff that we didn't learn like resources for testing and even just knowing that STD testing shouldn't be embarrassing like you know me and Annie both grew up in Asia and that was just not a thing you know we would like hear horror stories about like STDs or abortions and stuff like that like it was just not like calm it wasn't a resource that was helpful and encouraging you know how they say like oh if you tell someone don't do something they're gonna do it like it was kind mm-hmm. of like we didn't have a safe resource for any of these things yeah so it would be even more dangerous if we had to you also, know like we didn't experience any of this growing up like at least me like I yeah. don't know anyone that's gotten an abortion before mm-hmm I barely know anyone that's told me like from high school that got an STD test. Like it's so, especially in Asia, it's like people just don't talk about it. Like, like someone being pregnant in high school, that's like not a thing Yeah, like ever, but it is a thing like in the U S yeah. Yeah. And things like options for pregnancy, like abortion, adoption, um, like all the, again, like the safe way to do those things. We just did not have Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. And just in general, like the destigmatization mm-hmm. of all things about sex, I made a note talking about even in religious upbringings, I feel like it's so important to discuss these topics openly. I think a huge problem of um, the Christian church is that is the way that they've educated their members on sex and on that topic. And it's caused a lot of like hurt um, to yeah. a lot of people and like misconceptions about the religion itself um mm-hmm. and it it really like stems to again education and yeah. how you grew up and yeah all this stuff the education system just really needs to yeah. be reformed yeah <laughs> anyway I, we talked about this before but I just think it's like crazy how this topic is even involved in things like religion or politics like it's literally biology. Like, how can that be political? I don't understand. Like, it's your body. Like, how can that have legislation over it? Like, it just doesn't make sense. And like, I get that religion is, you know, about life and your, like, beliefs. But at the same time, again, like, sex to me is something so separate that it it's hard for, again, like I'm not religious, so I might be just speaking out of term here, but it's really hard for me to understand that it's related, you know, like to me, it's just like about your body and your biology and your physical needs and wants. And I don't know, Mm -hmm. but yeah, moving on. um, 
Uh, of all the stuff that we didn't learn, um, another big topic in sexual health is consent. Um, it's really not that hard. Like, <laughs> I remember, yeah. you know, in high school and especially in freshman year of college, there are all those like cheesy videos about like consent and people would just laugh or giggle. And it's like, I think people laugh because they're uncomfortable or they're, it's a nervous energy, but like, it's literally not that hard. And in the moment, like, it shouldn't feel awkward to just be like, is this okay? You know, like, are you comfortable with this? Like, yeah, you know, it's just, it saves a lot of harm from later. I'm looking up right now. I remember back in 2005, I mean, 2015, (laughs) um, what's his name? I don't, he doesn't deserve to be remembered, but um, Brock Allen Turner, remember him? Oh my gosh, Um, yeah. When his case first happened back then is I feel like when a lot of people start talking about consent again mm-hmm. and like the importance of it um, and like the like the blurring of lines between alcohol and drugs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what's okay, what's not. And they even yep. started like a whole new, I don't want to butcher like legislation or like law. I don't know, something I about mean, there related was a, to him. A, yeah. There is a what? People versus Turner, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's and, a big deal. Isn't, yeah. Isn't that like a Supreme Court? <laughs> yeah. Like something like that. Yeah. Um, but it was really that case that I feel like very, very much started like this huge conversation on like social media and like in our generation. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad that these things are still happening. Oh, yeah. Um, and I can't believe it took till 2015 to like for us to start talking about this. Yeah. Like, that's not okay. Like imagine all the cases that have happened yeah. that haven't gotten the same amount of attention as this one. Um, yeah. There's been tons at our school that's just been swept under under the rug, which is horrible. Um, honestly, like our Northeastern like oh, yeah, Title IX sure. policy is a joke. Um, yeah, I can get very heated about this topic. <laughs> so oh, no, I would lo- love to hear more about like your perspective in Greek life because you were the yeah. president- and all mm-hmm. that yeah no it's rough like what you said earlier like blurring lines of alcohol and drugs with consent is like definitely a very sticky situation um over the last summer um honestly the last year and a half felt like the same year but <laughs> it was a summer ago where a lot of sexual assault cases um came up within asian greek life and it was a really harsh reality to kind of face because of course I knew it was going on and like, it wasn't a surprise to me, but I think what hurts more is like how close some of these cases hit home. Mm. It was friends of friends. It was people we interacted with. It was people that like I knew and like, like liked and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is crazy. And coming from a point of leadership of being like a president of a chapter, I was like, I really have to separate everything right now. Like I cannot have any emotions. And furthermore, as a survivor, I was like, um, okay, <laughs> like, great. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot to handle. And I think it's just, again, like it all comes from what we're talking about education and destigmatization. Like if we could just take things seriously for once and not joke about consent and not like make sex jokes or like sexist jokes or, you know, things that are very questionable, like 
all the chats and group chats and stuff like that. Like we need to be holding each other accountable because if we don't do that every instance, people are going to think they can get away with everything. And that's how this stuff happens. And I also wanted to bring up, I don't have any specific numbers, but there is an insane amount of sexual assault cases that happen, but an extremely small percentage of reports. So a Mm. bunch of cases occur, but victims and survivors do not report them because, you know, it's just not feasible. You know, like Annie said, like Title IX policies are jokes. They are not um, accessible. Students end up being blamed, victim blamed, and victim shamed. Mm -hmm. At the end, a lot of the survivors end up moving schools and the perpetrator gets no punishment. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just because of this system, it's so discouraging for survivors to do anything about it because they just have to relive the trauma. And it's honestly not worth it if nothing's going to happen in the end. Yeah. So, yeah. I think one thing that we should talk about is like, what is consent? Because I think some people are still unclear about what it really means. Yeah. Um, And so I kind of searched it up and basically the simplest definition is that consent is an agreement between participants to engage in something. So like for instance, Mm -hmm. sexual activity. So Planned Parenthood had this graphic that they released and it basically says that consent is something that is freely given that is reversible, which means you can take it back Mm -hmm. any minute that you want to. It's informed, AKA the person isn't under drugs, under alcohol. When someone Mm -hmm. is under the influence, they're not in the space to be able to give consent. They cannot give consent. Like that's, I think a key thing is that the reason that there's a blurred line is because like both the perpetrator and their survivor could be under the influence. So they just like are not in the right headspace to make any decisions. And it's like, it's hard because like, I thought about this, right? And I was like, okay, so then does that mean, like, if you're at a party, can you not, like, hook up with someone if you, like, find them attractive? Yeah. Like, if you're meeting That's someone true. for the first time, does that mean you just, like, can't, like, hook up on that night? But I think, like, at the end of the day, like, if you cannot make a sound decision, you just shouldn't be doing something like that, you know? And, like, it's also not up to just those two people. Like, of course, if you have friends with you, like, they need to also help keep you accountable and like make sure that if you are a little sloppy, which is again, okay, like just stay safe, you know? Mm -hmm. And like another part of consent is that it has to be enthusiastic. Yep. I think a lot of people think that like saying nothing means saying yes, but that is not true. If they are unable to respond, that is most likely not a yes. Um, And I think something that I've had to learn over the years is like consent is also about being honest with yourself, you know, like about being able to take it back. I think that a lot of people feel like guilty if, you know, they said yes in the beginning and then they get out of the mood and then they don't want to be like, oh, can we stop? So then they just keep going and then you're not honoring your own body and your own desires. I watched this really, really great video on YouTube. Um, I can link it in the description, but it's basically a spiritual approach to sex. And it's about like honoring your body every second of the way that you're in, you know, sexual acts 
and not allowing your your brain to take over and not allowing your like quote unquote like mm. logic to take over because that's where things could get complicated right like what I was saying earlier logically your brain might be like oh it might just be easier to like go along with it and just like finish off whatever but if your body doesn't want it and you don't feel a hundred percent there then you're ending up harming yourself more you know mm. and again consent can completely be reversed and that is 100% okay yep but yes please continue with your Planned Parenthood diagram the, totally yeah enthusiastic you. was the second to last one and the last one is specific so mm-hmm. this means like you say yes to kissing but that doesn't mean yes to touching mm-hmm. yes to this and a lot of people don't understand that still unfortunately and yeah. you it's important uh, like on both parties to ask doesn't mean the guy has to ask the girl the girl mm-hmm. just as much plays the part in asking yeah um or like girl girl you know but yeah it's important to remember those things and that consent can happen on so many levels it can be with a stranger mm-hmm. with your friend with yeah. the person you're in a relationship with doesn't mean just because you're dating them that all of a sudden consent rules are out of the window yeah um they're think it's something that you have to be thinking about like in your daily life too it's not even just in sex but it's like in Mm -hmm. everything did I give you my consent yeah no (laughs) exactly exactly and I think like I've seen a lot of videos on social media like Instagram and TikTok of teaching consent to kids and again it doesn't have to be about Ah. sex like it's literally consent like can I hold your hand can I hug you Can I take this toy from you? Can Mm -hmm. I, you know, one mom, like I really like her account because she has these really deep conversations, but they're not like sad or like hard. It's more like, you know, she teaches her kids consent by saying like, oh, do you want to go brush your teeth now or in five Mm -hmm. minutes? And it's just simple things like that, teaching your kids to understand that you have a choice to say yes or no. And that you should advocate for what you want um, is very important. Yeah. And learning those things as a child and with everyday things in your life leads to these bigger things that you have to ask consent Mm -hmm. for. It's like Mm -hmm. all the base of the things that you learn. Exactly. Yep. Yes. We could do a whole episode on this. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. But to move along with our topic, mm-hmm. um, something else we wanted to talk about is like how to sex, I guess, like, you know, learning what sex is and like how exactly you're supposed to do it. I think mm-hmm. that like there's no right way to have sex. And I think I kind of the, to contradict what we were saying earlier where like no one talks about it. I think when you're in middle school, high school, going through puberty, everyone's talking about like porn or like sex positions and like over glorifying sex Mm -hmm. and like this thing that makes it into this, like you have to have high expectations for it and everything. I personally think um, the idea of virginity is- Yes, I was just about to say that. Like I, I understand like treasuring your body and wanting it to be special but at the same time it's like virginity is not purity you do not take someone's virginity it is not something to own like I think that's disgusting like who I don't know it's just like a weird concept to me it's more about the woman as well exactly yeah like no one cares when a guy loses their virginity but when a girl it's like oh she's like 
broken you know and it's like what is that like that's weird (laughs) but yeah and I think it's just like if you're learning how to have sex by like hearing what your friends are talking about there's no way your friends are telling the truth like oh yeah I like hit it from blah 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 like who cares like they're definitely lying to just like sound cool and the fact that that's even a measure to sound cool is weird you know what I mean yep and also I want to mention like the pressure to have sex in high school doesn't make sense to me um the shame or not the shame the judgment that comes around Mm -hmm. people who want to have it later in life who want to wait for marriage who want to wait for the right person like why is it it's not your business like why is it so exactly controversial slash judgmental yeah I I really hate like how sex has become this topic and it's very Mm -hmm. hard to reverse because now it's like Mm -hmm. we're in too deep yeah exactly and I think it's just like you know how like in one of our previous episodes my tagline was like it's not that deep I think my tagline for this episode is that like it's none of your business Like, it doesn't matter how you're having sex, who you're having sex with, who you're into, who you're attracted to, who cares? I think that's the biggest thing I learned from my queer media studies class. I went into that class thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous because I'm the only like straight identifying person, or I think I'm going to be the only straight identifying person. And I thought that we were going to go around like sharing our sexuality or like you know, preferences. And I realized like the whole point of that class is to realize that like no one cares and no one should care. You should just support each other. And that's the bottom line, you know, like it doesn't matter at all. And similarly, like kinks and kink shaming, like it doesn't matter what you're into. Like if something turns you on, like great, go for it. You know, find a partner that can help you with that and find a partner that is willing and happy to do that with you but there's no need to be like oh my god ew like so-and-so is into this like that's so weird like just because it's not the standard talked about you know method doesn't mean that it's wrong as long as you're staying safe and the key word is as long as it's all consensual you know yeah that all goes back to like it's none of your business it's not Mm -hmm. your place to judge or tell people what to do Exactly. You're allowed to have an opinion, but you don't need to express it. <laughs> I yeah, guess. exactly. Yeah. The last thing I was going to bring up with um, in this topic is something that I actually have been like learning about more recently is the idea of period sex. Um, last episode, we talked a lot about period and menstrual health. And I think it's something that is very stigmatized and thought of as gross and like uncomfortable but I've actually read a lot of research about how um, having sex on your period is actually very beneficial. Um, And again, the only reason that people don't do it is because it's like messy or thought of as like dirty, but like, to be honest, like sex is messy in general, you know, like it's not something that you can just do anywhere. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's gonna be a mess and it's just kind of happened. And so I've heard that period sex actually helps um, a lot with menstrual cramps. Um, Having an orgasm is something about like the muscles releasing the tension. Don't quote me on this. I don't know. Um, (laughs) I'm not reading it off anything, but something along those lines. Um, And also, 
Yeah, and also like a lot of issues that come in sex are because of lack of lubrication. Um, like, you, you know, soreness or UTIs, like all that stuff can happen because of lack of lubrication. And period blood is a great natural lubricant. It's not, you know, chemical. You're not squirting something out of a bottle that you don't really know what's in it. Um, and again, like, as long as you're able to keep clean or like clean up the mess afterwards, like who cares what you're doing? And like, there doesn't need to be any stigma or shame or grossness around it. Yep. That is very true. That's good to bring up. All right. So our next direction we kind of want to talk about is, well, I already graduated from college, but just like our experience with like hookup culture in college and just what we've seen and noticed. Mm -hmm. um, I honestly have no experience because I've been dating since literally like my fourth, like couple months into my freshman year. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, like my friend groups haven't really been into that either. Um, But I do hear, you know, stories here and there, listen to podcasts about other people's Mm -hmm. kind of experiences on dating apps, um, just different kind of cultures within um, their college. I think with every Mm -hmm. college, just also different, like at Northeastern, it's like pretty tame in my opinion. Like, I don't know. Do you think that's true? I think it's true within the communities we're involved with. Yeah. But I also think it can get kind of wild. I've yeah. heard some stories. <laughs> yeah, I believe but, that. I mean, Northeastern yeah. is big. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty decent. Yeah. Um, I heard like a joke about how, um, you know, now we're getting regularly COVID tested, but people are saying like, you know, because we've had lack of touch, lack of interaction, people are hooking up like crazy and so there's like a quote that was like oh you should you're getting COVID tested but you really should be getting like weekly STD tests because people are just going around everywhere and again like that's totally fine you can get free tests at Planned Parenthood so go do that (laughs) yes yes and then there's like another thing that I talked to someone recently about and it was um this term that I've never heard before called dorm cess. Yeah, I didn't hear about like, it until she yeah. brought it up. I was like, what? So it's kind of like incest, you know, but obviously less weird. But basically, like, people from the same dorm or the same dorm floor, like, hook up with each other. And then by the end, you've, like, hooked up with everyone that you see in so the dorm. Awkward. And, like, it's just, like, yeah, it's, you know, facing that kind of thing. But yeah, I don't know. Again, we don't really have any experience with either of these things. <laughs> yeah, open relationships. What do we think of that? I mean, we say we personally can't do that, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I wonder yeah. how they work. I'd love to meet someone in an open relationship. Yeah. I'm like, I want to see, mm-hmm. like, how do you get your relationship to work? Because I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just from my my understanding from, like, the peripheral, it's about, like, a lot of people who are more comfortable with sex um separate sex from emotion so they don't find any sexual acts even like kissing or anything to be um not necessarily not meaningful but doesn't carry the same amount of weight that like you and I would um like for me you know even kissing I'm like I'm not just gonna kiss anyone um I find that to be very like intimate um and like, even if I were to, like, hook up or whatever, it's because I'm in the mindset of that, you know, I'm not, like, looking for that relationship, um, but people in open relationships, I think they just completely separate those two factors, 
and they're able to rely and depend on each other emotionally and separate that from their sexual lives, which I personally cannot do, but I respect you if you do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then lastly, about hookup culture, you know, the risks of hooking up with people in your friends groups. Again, like all of this is up to you. Like you do you, no one's going to judge you, but there always comes the risk of like it com- becoming awkward after if, you know, one person wanted something more and the other didn't. Um, and it just like, makes things a little messy especially if you're friends with the same people um but again at the end of the day like no one can tell you what to do everything is your own decision and whatever you think will make you happy in the moment should be what you do um but yeah yes unless it's cheating please yes don't do that (laughs) don't do that make sure you know if the person is single please yeah yes So our next kind of direction is growing up, like what kind of talks did we have with our parents and Mm -hmm. was our kind of family dynamic in relation to this topic? Yeah, I would say like with my parents, like they literally just bought me a bunch of books to read Mm -hmm. about it. And then that's it. Like pretty Mm -hmm. much that's it. And I think I don't know if I prefer that. I don't know. Mm. Like, would I rather just have that conversation? Because I feel like at that age, I'd be so embarrassed to like talk to my parents about it. Like, I'd rather just have her buy me a book. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think even if it's uncomfortable, it's important for parents to have at least the bare minimum conversation with their children, at least about consent or like if you were to have sex Mm -hmm. what are the steps you could take like just some educational pieces that could like prevent hurt um and that was really not something that my parents did um no hate I think it's just Asian culture and Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know yeah no I was just gonna say um something pretty similar I think honestly I can't really remember if I ever had like an official talk I think so my mom got her period when she was 10 so she gave me that like puberty and sex book when I was nine and (laughs) like I was pretty young and like another thing that I've become pretty passionate about recently is that like I don't think there's a minimum age to be learning about sex and your body and menstruation and all that stuff but I think there needs to be like like you said more of a discussion rather than like here's some material and learn about it in school you know like I need to digest it I need to like understand what that means but um also with Asian families I think it's like I guess Asian families just don't like talking because we don't talk about mental health we don't talk about sex we don't talk about like anything like um one thing I want to say is I think the problem is that parents Asian families and parents don't like talking about their past lives and mm -hmm. like how these topics have come up in their yeah. lives because I think it's so important for them to share with their kids yeah for sure and also like it's funny because they're so quick to share their struggles yeah. but they never want to share like you know navigating these issues or like the good parts and it's just like okay what but I think um another thing is that like I also don't know what the alternative would be like if I was really comfortable with telling my parents about like, oh, I just hooked up with this dude last weekend. Yeah, like, like, 
is that the alternative? I don't know. <laughs> to me, that's a bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, enough just so that I know I'm sick. If something like were safe. to happen, yeah. Like if I was pregnant, like I could go to my parents without like mm-hmm. fearing for my life. Yeah. Like, and I would know their response. I think to get to that kind of comfort level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because I also think that like if you were at like you know that extreme comfortable level where you share everything, I think like what I was saying earlier, like growing up with straight as a standard, I think growing up being comfortable talking about sex would help a child like be comfortable exploring and knowing that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, like I was, um, one of my favorite shows um, is a reality show called Love on the Spectrum. And it's about, you know, this, um, it's a reality show where individuals who are on the spectrum, the autism spectrum, are in on the search for love and something that I took away from that is that a lot of almost all of them are really comfortable with exploring their sexuality so they'll say things like oh yeah like I just never grew up thinking that loving the same sex was wrong so I'm open to doing it you know and it's like if you were raised on that mindset thinking that there's no reason that you shouldn't then would that open more doors and I think like that all stems from like your comfortable your comfortability is that a word level talking about sex in general mm-hmm. um but yeah yeah how I mean, do you think you'll talk oh yeah go ahead how do I think I'll talk to my kids about it mm-hmm. um I do agree with you that there should be no age um to start talking about this stuff because again it goes mm-hmm. back to consent and there is a huge population of children who suffer mm-hmm. from sexual assault And so it's important for them to understand like their own boundaries at a very young Mm -hmm. age and what boundaries other people can't cross. Um, But I don't think I'd be like the mom or like, I want to know everything about your life. Like, yeah, I'm more of like, if there's an issue, like come to me first. Like, I don't want you to like run to someone else. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I'll just try to educate them and I don't know. Yeah, I'm 22. I don't even know how yeah. to like, navigate my own life. I'm not ready yeah. for kids. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I think it's hard. I think another thing I wanted to bring up is like in our generation and younger, I think we tend to brush off like the talk because we think we have all the resources we need. You know, mm-hmm. we think we have the internet. We're like, oh, I got this. Like, I don't need to learn anything. And like, yeah, sure, you can Google anything. But I think a really big part of this education is having someone you can rely on and trust to have this conversation with. Like I was talking about earlier, like all of your peers are going to have some twisted concept about sex and it's not really going to be like a healthy and nurturing environment for you to learn in a safe space. And I think like that is a parent's job. So I think for my future kids, like I would want to establish that level of confidence in them that like, they can come to me and that I can be their mentor in this topic rather than like I don't want to get in trouble if I like hook up with someone and similarly like I think the opposite of what we were saying earlier of like oh judging people who have sex late I think I also don't want my kids to be like oh my gosh like I hooked up or like I made out with someone and I'm so young like they're gonna like yell at me or something like again like some people develop way faster than others and that's okay as long as you're being safe and you understand consent you know like again that's the key of everything is like you understand that 
you're comfortable and you're safe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, also I'm like on parenting TikTok. I don't know why. Like I have no plans to have a child anytime soon. Same, but I'm on that TikTok. I love parenting t- TikTok. <laughs> I'm on that one where like the mom has the kid cook and the kids like. Oh my gosh! Yes. I love that. Yeah, it's very awesome to yeah. see what kids yeah. are capable of. Mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, mm-hmm. we just want to like facilitate a space for our listeners to reflect on and think about sexual health. Um, mm-hmm. We really want to destigmatize it. I have such trouble saying that word. <laughs> um, destigmatize that. it and help people who are listening feel more comfortable with who they are and with their bodies. Um, And I think it's very important to be able to love yourself, your body first um, before we dive into, you know, all these other topics. Yeah. Um, Because fundamentally sex, the first part of it is you (laughs) and how you are, how you feel. Yeah. Um, So yeah, we just wanted to mention that. Yeah. And like, again, all of this comes from just like having these discussions, you know, being comfortable talking with your friends. Like I recently, like literally in the past year had my first conversations like with other people about sex toys and stuff like that. And they were like, oh, I bought this one, blah, 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 blah. And like, I was really shy to talk about it because I was like, oh, that's so embarrassing. Like, I don't want to talk about sex toys, like blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, oh, you know, like I saw this ad for this one, like I was curious, blah, 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 blah. And so I think just like being able to be open and confident in those discussions, or even if you're not confident, like having a friend or a group of friends who can help you like come out of your shell and feel comfortable discussing that kind of stuff, like that will help you love your body more. Um, I've also heard of this um, service or like platform, I guess, Um, Emma Watson was a really big like promoter or partner of it Um, I can't remember what it's called if I find it I'll put it in the description too but it's basically this platform that has like tutorials for female masturbation and it's like how like techniques and like they show you it's really cool they like show you animations and diagrams of like you know the motion you should be doing or like whatever it is and the thing that I loved about like the advertisements was that it's all about you and honoring yourself and it shouldn't be about like you know anyone else it shouldn't be about your partner it should be about like yourself and loving yourself and learning how to love yourself and I think that is the main point of body positivity and confidence yes So for this week's life hack, we want our listeners to take a moment to think about how you think about sex. Are you holding on to any stigmas and what do you need to learn and unlearn about the things that um, you've grown up with? Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you so much for listening to our podcast episode. You can check us out on Instagram at barelyadulting.pod and on TikTok too. Yes. Uh, Yeah. So we will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.